0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message is Praise in the Pit, and it is on Psalm 40. This message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie during our Sunday evening service on November 15th, 2020. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 10:30. Sunday nights at 7 and Wednesdays at 645. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. And when you do, you'll receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it.
1: Turn with me to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. We're going to take a break today. We're hitting the pause button on our study of Ecclesiastes in the morning and our study on Galatians uh, in the evenings for a few weeks. Lord willing, we'll pick up Galatians again when we hit the month of November, but we're halfway through the book of Galatians. I thought this would be a good time to just take a few weeks and to go in a little bit different direction. We've seen on Sunday mornings that life comes in seasons. And if you are not in a difficult season, you will be. Just need to be honest about that. Just need to prepare you for that. Some seasons are seasons, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, some seasons of life are seasons of dancing, seasons of embracing, seasons of building up, but there are also seasons where we must refrain from embracing, seasons of tearing down, seasons Uh, of uprooting, seasons of mourning. And so if we're not in a season of struggle yet, we will be. Everyone goes through difficult seasons. Everyone goes through slumps. Even champions have a bad day every now and then. Back in the 50s, Yankee Hall of Famer Mickey Mantle was having one of those slumps. He was having one of those bad days. He had three strikeouts in a row in one particular game, and here's what he said about that afternoon and how it impacted him emotionally. Mickey wrote, When I got back to the clubhouse, I just sat down on my stool, and I held my head in my hands like I was going to start crying. I heard someone come up to me, and it was little Tommy Barra, Yogi's boy, standing there next to me. He tapped me on the knee, nice and soft. I figured he was going to say something nice to me, like, hey, you keep hanging in there or something like that. But all he did was look at me, and then he said in his little kid's voice, you stink. (laughs) Even Mickey Mantle felt the fans turn against him. All of us have faced discouraging moments, discouraging seasons, challenging seasons. Sometimes those seasons come as a result of our own sin. Sometimes they come as a result of somebody else's sin, and we get caught in the wake of that. Sometimes it's just time and chance, as Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 9.11, time and chance that happens to all of us. Paul and Silas chained in prison. Daniel in lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace. Jonah in the belly of the great fish. Joseph, thrown into a pit by his own brothers, sold into slavery. We could go on and on and on. I don't know where the strangest place you've ever prayed to God has been. For Jonah, it was in the belly of a great fish. It's kind of hard to top that one. But many of the saints of the Scripture, we can read the stories about times when they found themselves, maybe not in a literal pit like, Joseph, but a spiritual pit, an emotional pit. We see it in the life of Moses and the life of Elijah, both of whom got extremely discouraged at different points in their ministry. I appreciate what J. Oswald Sanders wrote about that. He said, It is not without its comfort that the two men who converse with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration, both, broke under the strain of their ministry and prayed that they might die. We all face discouraging seasons. King David is one such man. A myriad of discouraging seasons. Uh, Throughout his life, we see him as a boy. His own father didn't even think enough of him to when he called all his sons, when Samuel said, call all your boys. His own father thought, well, not that one. All, everyone but, but David. David, whose own father-in-law, King Saul, wanted to kill him. David, whose own son, Absalom, betrayed him, tried to steal the throne from him. David faced a myriad of trials in his life. And at some point in his later years, he penned this incredible psalm. Psalm 40, which tells us how to praise God from the pit. Tonight I want to talk about praise from the pit, and I want to show you seven commitments of the Christian in crisis. Remember what James tells us in James chapter 1, count it all joy. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because the testing of our faith, the trying of our faith is working in us patience that is going to have a perfect work that we will bring uh, be brought to a point of maturity in our life and psalm 40 is one of the places in scripture where we have some encouragement and some challenges given to us by a man who experienced it experienced rejection in his own family experienced trials trials Again, sometimes as a result of his own sin, sometimes as a result of other people's sins as well. So as we come to Psalm 40, I just want to give you uh, three things to to remember as we go through this psalm uh, before we begin to unpack it together. Psalm 40, number one, is a personal testimony. It's David's poetic testimony of how the Lord delivered him time and time and time again in his life. Psalm 40 is also a prophetic testimony. This is a psalm uh, that we would call a messianic psalm. In other words, it, it has a, uh, for us a picture of the Messiah, Jesus, and Jesus' victory over sin and death. It's the example of obedience and suffering that He set for us. But Psalm 40 is not just personal, it's not just prophetic, it's also prescriptive. It is laid out for us as a model for, now we would say, uh, on this side of the resurrection Uh, a model of Christian obedience. It's written, uh, we see, for corporate worship. And so as we go through these seven commitments, these are commitments that that God is calling us to make in moments of crisis. Praise from the the pit. Seven commitments of the Christian in crisis. Here are seven things that David shows us uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also uh, by personal experience that we must do look with me at verses one through three as we begin to walk through this incredible song together i waited patiently for the lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry he brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay set my feet upon a rock and established My goings, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. The first commitment of the Christian in crisis is to wait for the Lord to work, believing that he is always working. God doesn't work on our timetable. Have you figured that out yet? God doesn't work when we want him to work, just like I don't work on my son's timetable. My son is very impatient. He gets that from his mother. No, he gets that from me. He gets that from me, okay? Very impatient. I need it. I need it. Is what he likes to tell me. Even as, even as dad is working to prepare it for him. I need it. I want it now. He doesn't see. He doesn't understand. And, and even infinitely more so, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is always working. But I have to commit when I'm in the pit, when I'm in a season of discouragement, when I'm in a season of trial, a season of temptation, a season of suffering, I have to wait for the Lord. And I have to believe that He is always at work. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He doesn't sleep like we do. He doesn't get tired like we do. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And a verse that many of us have memorized. For some of you, it may even be a life verse. And we know, Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is always working. Now, David shows us here in these verses what to do while we wait for God to work. While we're waiting, we know God is working. We don't see it all the time, but what do we do while we're waiting? And David says, the obvious. It's obvious, but we forget it. It's obvious, but we need to remind it to pray. Prayer, unfortunately, is what we run to when we've run out of options instead of what we should run to as our first option, as our best option. Pray. Spend time seeking the Lord's hand. Uh, Psalm 34, uh, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. Listen, there are going to be some tears You're going to have to shed some tears. Jesus shed tears. Do you think that you're going to get through life without tears if Jesus shed tears? We're going to have to shed some tears, but we have to trust that He is the one who can wipe the tears from our eyes. He says, uh, this poor man cried, the Lord heard him. He saved me out of all his troubles. Verse 17 of Psalm 34, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's why Paul in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4 says be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't don't stress out about anything. Do you need that reminder this week? I need that reminder this week. I I need that reminder as I watch the news. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. James says you have not because you ask not. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you, Jesus said. We have to ask. We have to keep asking. That's where the the seeking comes in. We have to put hands and feet to our prayers, and then we have to keep knocking. That's the persistence of it. We ask make that request known we seek we expect god to be working we we are working with him we're not just sitting back and praying and then not doing anything we're sitting back and praying and then beginning to act in how we believe god might answer that prayer and then we keep knocking we keep knocking on that door because we know that he is there if i know that i'm if i if i'm at somebody's house and i know that they're there i'm going to keep knocking until they come. Maybe they're down in the basement. Maybe they're, maybe the music's up loud. Maybe maybe they fell asleep, but I'm going to keep knocking if I know they're there. If, if they know I'm coming, and, and listen, God always knows when you're coming. All right? So he is working, but we have to pray. Believe that he hears you and will answer you. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my Cry Psalm 50:15 says, "And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me in the day of trouble," God says. God doesn't say you won't have trouble. You ever taken your kid on a bear hunt? Going on a bear hunt? Going to catch a big one? What a beautiful day. I'm not scared. Uh-oh, a river and 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 throughout the bear hunt if i know you guys know it throughout the bear hunt you meet different obstacles and and whichever the obstacle it is you can't go over it can't go under it can't go around you got to go you got to go through it god goes through it with us so when we are in the trouble when we are in the day of trouble Call upon him. He tells you, call upon me. He doesn't say you won't be in trouble. You won't go through trouble. He says, when you get in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee. I will um, do it so that you will bring, uh, so that you will glorify me, so that you'll recognize that the glory goes to me. Psalm 91, verse 15. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. See these promises were made before the words of Jeremiah 33. We might be tempted to read Jeremiah 33 and think that this is a promise just given to a, to, uh, to Jeremiah, but this is not a problem. Uh, a problem. This is not a promise just given to Jeremiah when we face problems. This is a promise given in the Psalms. And God is reminding Jeremiah of a promise he's made to all of us when he says in Jeremiah 33, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. One of the things I love about Wednesday nights is we get a chance to to have times of testimony, to have times not just of prayer, but, but, but times of testimony, times where people share, hey, here's how God's answered this prayer. Here's how God has, has, has met this need. And it's exciting to hear that. And God wants to answer. But we have to ask. We have to seek Him. This is the confidence that we have in Him. John says in 1 John chapter 5, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth, us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Believe that He hears you. Believe He will answer you. And then here, He says also, believe that He will deliver and establish you. Psalm 119, 133. Order my steps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Believe that He will establish you, that He will deliver you, that He will bring you through. Now, I have to to give you the full truth. I've got to give you the whole truth, not just a half truth. That establishment, depending on what season of life you're in, that establishment might be an eternal promise. It may be received here on earth. It may be received in heaven. That's the promise that God made to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul is at death's door. We don't know how long he had after he wrote this. It, it was probably a matter of months. He seemed to think it was going to be a matter of months, but he, the Holy Spirit had told him, hey, Paul, you need to prepare yourself to meet your Creator. And so here's what he says at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says some, Paul says in the past, God delivered me out of every trial and he's going to continue to deliver me. But this time it's going to be the permanent deliverance of eternity with him. And so even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if he is our shepherd, if we've been forgiven of our sins by placing our faith and trust in jesus christ his death for our sins his resurrection as the only and all sufficient payment for sins we have the hope of eternal life we have the hope that we will spend eternity with our creator so believe pray seek believe it's so simple it's so basic it's the sunday school answer And yet, how many times do I have to admit that in my own life, prayer was the last resort, not the first resort? So, while you wait, pray. Here's what David says that we need to do after we wait. While you wait, pray. After you wait, praise. Praise. After God has answered your prayer, after God has delivered you, give the glory to God. You remember in Luke 17 when... Jesus healed ten lepers. And they went running in excitement and only one leper came back to give praise to Jesus and to thank Him for what he, has, what he had done. How many times has God answered our prayers? We spent years praying for something and we spend hours thanking Him. If that, minutes. I remember um, uh, talking to... Uh, Dr. Fletcher, who at one time was the president of what used to be Washington Bible College, and uh, he said that what they used to do in their, uh, outside of their chapel is they had a prayer list, and they, when they had a prayer request, they would post it, but then they would date it. And what they would do is they would track however long it took for God to give a definitive answer on that request, and then that would be moved over to the praise, the answered prayer, and then that's how long they would pray in thanking God for answering the prayer. So if they prayed, if it was on the list for five months, we're going to keep it on the praise list for five months. I think, that's a, I think that's a good thing to do in our personal lives. Praise, give glory to God when He delivers us. Here's the promise, He will give you a new song. He'll give you a new song. Now, I found that that is both literal and figurative. In eternity, we're all going to get to sing a new song, Revelation chapter 5. We're going to sing a new song, song that... If if you don't like learning new songs, now listen, I I understand it can be hard to learn new songs. I'm I'm learning new songs too. I'm learning songs constantly as well. But I'm going to tell you, in heaven, in eternity, we're going to be learning a lot of new songs. That doesn't mean that we forget all the old songs. I'm I'm not saying that either. It doesn't mean that we throw all the old songs out. But we are going to be learning and singing new songs. But here's what I've also found in my life. Maybe some of you have found this in your life as well, especially those of you who, like me, have a real heart for music, a love for music. I found that at different seasons in my life, there's a song, a praise song, or what Paul calls a spiritual song uh, in the epistles that I will really attach to as part of my testimony for whatever God uh, is bringing me through or whatever God has brought me out of. Have you had that experience? There's a song that, man, you're just going through, and it might not be a new song in the sense that it was just written, but a song that has new meaning to you Because of what God has brought you through. And that song becomes part of your testimony. God will give you a new song. But listen, you need to sing it. You need to sing that song of praise to Him. Because what happens when we praise God? He draws men to His Son. Remember, this is a messianic psalm that we're reading here. And we see that Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself of course he was lifted up in his death on the cross lifted up literally into the air after his resurrection when he ascended into heaven and when we lift him up sincerely it gets people's attention now i like apologetics i'm kind of into apologetics not as much as i used to be when i was in college Uh, But I I, I like apologetics. I appreciate apologetics ministries. I I believe that we are all to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. That's a command of the Scriptures. So we have to, uh, when somebody has a question, we have to be willing to look for the answer so that we can uh, have an answer for them. But one thing that cannot be argued with is a transformed life. When somebody goes through a trial and they are still praising God, that is an incredible witness. Some of you have been that witness in your own life. Some of you can give testimony to, to to somebody whose testimony impacted you, because they went through a trial, they went through a difficulty, and they were still praising God. I've shared with you before my one of my former deacons as he uh, shortly before he died, as he lay in the hospital bed, and we uh, this was back when I was in Kentucky, and we went to try to pray with him and minister to him, and. And I, I promise you, it was like there was angels in the room. And I don't know if you've ever been in an experience like that, but as we went in there and he lifted his hands and he was crying and he was worshiping God, here, here he is getting ready to die and he's worshiping God. And he's saying, in tears, I only wish that I had not been so inhibited in praising God when I was younger. Incredible testimony. And, and like I was, I mean, it was like the hair on my arms. I got a lot of hair on my arms too. The hair on my arms were like, it was like electrified in that room because of the testimony that he was giving sincere from the heart as he was dying. Incredible, incredible. When we praise God sincerely from our heart, it gets people's attention. It draws people to Jesus Christ. Number one, wait for the Lord to work. Now, don't worry, we're not going to cover all seven of these uh, with as much attention, but this is the basic. This is the foundation. I've got to pray. I've got to wait. I've got to believe God is at work. Number two, what do you do while you're waiting? What do you do when you're in the pit? Number two, you remember the Lord's wonderful works. You remember what he's already done. Look at verse Four through five, blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. David says, You know how you get through a trial? You remember how God has answered prayers in the past. You remember the things that God has done for you. You remember the things that God has done for others. You remember how God has worked in His Word. And while you are remembering, David says, Don't be tempted to trust in men. Don't be trusted, tempted to trust in the proud. There are a lot of people who are going to be liars. They're going to promise that they've got the secret. They're going to be able to help you. They're going to the, be the one who can, is going to deliver you. Don't trust in the proud. Don't believe lies of people. Listen, when we're desperate, it is very easy for us to be taken advantage of. we, We are very vulnerable to somebody coming and telling us what we want to hear and making promises, taking advantage of us. David says, listen, you focus on what God has done. While you wait for God to do, focus on what God has done. Focus on His great love for you. Focus on that. I love what uh, Paul says at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. He's praying for the church and in Ephesians 3.14 he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And here's what he's praying for this church. That He, that the Father, would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, He said, look, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will make you strong, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. You can go as far as you can in that direction, in that direction, in that direction, in that direction direction, all around you. And you're not going to be able to contain how much God loves you. That is an awesome, awesome thought. And he said, look, I I want you to know, verse 19, the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that he might uh, be, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Remember the Lord's wonderful works. Wait for Him. Believe that He's working even though, even though we can't see. And then remember what He's already done. Remember His wonderful works. Number three, find God's will in God's Word. And obey it with all your heart. What do I do when I'm in the pit? What, am I do, what do I do when I'm struggling? What do I do when I am desperate? I find God's will. In God's word, and I obey it with all my heart. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Your law is in my heart. Not just in my mind, although it needs to be in our mind too. We need to meditate on it. There are other scriptures that say we need to meditate on God's word day and night. But we need to value it and treasure it in our heart. And then obey it. Psalm 119, verses 10 and 11. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. This is David's testimony. There's actually a prophecy in Deuteronomy 17. We won't take the time to go there tonight, but you can read about this prophecy that that God would raise up a king in Israel that would be uh, like this, and David has this testimony as well. This is Jesus' testimony. Jesus um, is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 10 in regards to this passage. Hebrews ten five says, Wherefore, when he cometh, speaking of Jesus, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, Jesus said, to do thy will, O God. So this is David's testimony. This is Jesus' testimony that he loved God's word. He studied God's word, that he obeyed God's word. That's why he was able to be a perfect sacrifice for us and die in our place, and rise from the dead. So it's David's testimony, it's Jesus' testimony. Is this your testimony? Is this your testimony? Can you say that I love God's word with all my heart, that I'm invested in God's word? Jesus was praying that for you in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he was crucified, when he prayed in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. Now, for that to be your testimony, the first thing is you must first put your faith in Christ alone for the salvation of your soul. You must first understand that you're a sinner, separated from God by your sin, under eternal condemnation, bound for hell, and yet because of God's great love, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin in your place. Sinless, perfect sacrifice, and He rose again. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you eternal life. And when you receive that by faith, Romans chapter 10, call upon the name of the Lord. Then you must follow his example. Of obedience, yes, obedience, even in suffering. Philippians chapter two, what a powerful passage of scripture, but Paul in Philippians chapter two, verse five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus this This is the mindset that we're supposed to have. This is the attitude that we're supposed to have. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess, will confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul says, he goes on to say in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, He doesn't say work for your salvation, but He says work out your salvation when you have it. Work it out. Be obedient to what God tells you to do. Find God's will in God's Word. Obey it with all your heart. Follow His example of obedience, even in suffering wait for the Lord to work remember his wonderful works how he's already worked find his will in his word obey it with all your heart number four David writes testify to God's faithfulness with other believers testify of his faithfulness to other believers what do you do when you're in the pit you testify to how God has been faithful you talk about it it's in your mouth it's in the it's, you say it with the church, you sing it with the church, you say it, you sing it to the church. Look at verses nine and 10 of Psalm 40. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. Meaning he's not saying I don't have his righteousness in my heart. He's saying I didn't keep it there. It's not supposed to just stay in your heart. It's supposed to come out of your mouth. I have declared thy faithfulness, David says, and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Friends, we, the ecclesia, New Testament word, which is translated church, the called out assembly, we are in this dispensation. We are the great assembly. And David says we need to speak God's truth, speak about his loving kindness, speak about it in the ecclesia, talk about the Lord's faithfulness, talk about salvation, Remind you do it for yourself. You do it for others. I need to hear it. I need to hear it as a pastor. I need to hear it from other people. I need to hear it from you. You need to hear it from me. You need to hear it from each other. We need to proclaim the gospel in the great congregation. And then we need to live out the Lord's righteousness. Now, this isn't self-righteousness, and we've been talking about this in great detail in our study of Galatians. That this is not about self-righteousness. This is about His righteousness. We're declaring His righteousness. We're living in His righteousness. I am not made righteous by what I do. I am made righteous by what He has done. Live out His loving kindness. Live out His truth in the church. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15 says, in the church. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, be ye therefore followers of God, imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Testify to God's faithfulness with and to other believers. Number five, verses 11 and 12, depend completely on the Lord for his mercies, love, and truth. We talk about it. And then he says, practice what you preach. Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy love and kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Depend completely on the Lord for his mercy, love, and truth. And while you are doing that, the enemy is going to bring shame and accusation and condemnation. But just remember, while the Holy Spirit will bring conviction, the Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation on the children of God because there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, verse 1. God will not bring condemnation. He will bring conviction, and and we we, uh, should be sorrowful for our sin, but we need to remember the love, the mercy, the truth of God. We need the Lord to deliver us. From evil. And that evil, David says, is not just internal evil, but it's external evil. I see the evil around me and I see the evil within me, David says. But Jesus Christ will deliver me from all of that. The Lord will deliver me from all of that if I am his child. Colossians chapter 1 that God hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He will Deliver us from our own sin. He has paid for our sin when we receive that forgiveness. We are legally in the court of heaven, declared righteous, forgiven. We need the Lord to deliver us. We need the light of God's word to keep us from the lies of the enemy. Why do you need to treasure God's word? Because you're you're in a world of lies, you're in a world of deception. We need the light of God's word to keep us from the lies of the angel of light. And Please hear me when I say the sinless Christ bore the full weight of our sin on the cross. He didn't just pay for part of your sin. He didn't just pay for your past sin. He paid for all of your sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Depend completely on the Lord for His mercy, His love, and His truth when you are in despair. Number six, trust God to avenge and pray for his justice. It is not spiritual to not want justice. Now, we should forgive, we should love our enemies, absolutely, but the Bible also says that we should allow God to avenge. We should allow God to avenge. Trust God to avenge. Here's how he says it in Psalm 40. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha mocking those who mock let them be put to shame let god avenge you you say well that's the old testament okay romans chapter 12 new testament verse 17 recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men if it be possible if it's possible it's not always possible but if it be possible live peaceably with all men dearly beloved Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let God avenge. You love, you reach out, in the hopes that God will bring repentance, in the hopes that through your witness and through your sacrifice, that the kindness of God that is being demonstrated through you will bring someone to a point of repentance we don't want people to die and go to hell but understand that sin that is not covered when somebody calls upon the name of the lord now now, christ has paid for the sins of, of all mankind but in order to appropriate that forgiveness you need to ask for forgiveness you need to call upon the lord to be forgiven Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right before the verses that we just read a few minutes ago. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Now, this wasn't just personal for Paul, and that's the key. This wasn't just personal, this was public. This was public opposition to the gospel. And Paul says where you face public opposition to the gospel, yes, you love your enemies, but you still trust God to avenge. It's not sinful to ask for God's vengeance. We still love. We still seek to live at peace. We still pray for repentance. But where there is no repentance, we need to pray for God's judgment. We need to pray for God's vengeance. Trust God to avenge. Pray for his justice. Now, here's the last thing. Wait for the Lord to work. Remember the Lord's wonderful works. Find God's will and God's word. Testify to his faithfulness in the church, with the church. Depend completely on him for his mercy, love, and truth. Trust God to avenge for you. And here's how we end this. Number seven, keep praising and keep praying. Keep it going. It's easy in a moment to pray. It's easy in a moment to praise, but continuing to live that way is where the challenge comes in. Verse 16, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say, Continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. I'm poor and needy, the Lord thinketh upon me. You are my help. You're my deliverer. Make no tarrying, oh my God. Keep praising. Keep praying. Whatever you're going through, sometimes it's a financial trouble, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's physical health, sometimes it's lockdowns and societal unrest and all the things that we're facing. Keep praising. Keep praying. First Thessalonians chapter 5 as we close. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Make these commitments when you're in the pit. When you're in crisis, commit to living Psalm 40 and believe in the coming deliverance of our God, Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the honesty of Scripture. God, you don't make false promises. You don't promise a life of ease. You don't promise a life without trouble. You don't promise a life without tears. But God, you promise to walk through the fire with us. You promise to be in the pit with us. You promise, God, sometimes in this life, but God, sometimes in eternity we experience it. But we will always be delivered by you. We will always be established by you. So God, help us in the times of discouragement and trials to remember the things we need to remember and to constantly, constantly fix our eyes on you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We won't have a long invitation, but I do want to give you an opportunity if you have a need. Would you stand and and just bow your head for a moment as Andy plays? I don't know where you are tonight with this text, but the Holy Spirit knows. Is there something you need to surrender to Him? Our deacons are here if you have a need. Maybe you just need to speak right where you are to God. I want to give you that time right now. Father, we thank you, God, that you are our fortress, our shield, that you are always ever-present, that you want us to call on you, that you promise to hear, promise to deliver, God. We need your spirit to strengthen us. God, we say with the man in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, help me my unbelief. God, help us to remember these promises, to believe them, to believe by faith, to walk by faith, and in the pit to give you praise. We love you and thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, what another great message from Pastor DJ. I hope this has found you well and has made an impact on your life in the name of Jesus. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.